Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Awfully busy day in Columbus for the Ohio State Buckeyes. The coaching staff looks very different than it did 24 hours ago. Ryan Day with... uh, a couple of additions, a couple of guys that were told your services are no longer needed. In fact, there are a couple of coaches that uh, were brought on board reportedly that that won't be in on-field roles as well. Four new faces in the building, two faces that Buckeye fans are familiar with are moving on, and Ohio State is taking very seriously its changes on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to dive into all that, plus the 2022 schedule changes we learned about within the last 24 hours. Same opponents, Same venues for those games, but a very different looking schedule, including when the bye week shifted and who Ohio State opens Big Ten play with. It's all coming up next on Buckeye Breakdown. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, hi, everybody, and happy Thursday evening. Alongside Andrew Lind, I'm Brendan Gulick. Welcome back to Buckeye Breakdown, where we continue to, to chat about Ohio State. Andrew, early in the offseason, but typically that means a pretty news-heavy time. I know a lot of people, uh, you know, you finish up the season, you had the national championship game, in fact, earlier this week, just a couple days ago, and a lot of people want to take a, a big deep breath and exhale on what was uh, a challenging, trying, occasionally frustrating, but often uh, exciting season you're emotionally worn down and then bang news flying left and right with coaching changes and transfer portal additions and lots going on with the Ohio State football program despite the fact that they're not on the field why don't we start with the coaching staff departures Kerry Combs and Al Washington no longer with Ohio State yeah I mean it's kind of crazy to think back you know two years ago that those were were really big parts of the staff, you know, then bringing on Kerry as, as a defensive coordinator to replace uh, Greg Madison, you know, people were, you know, kind of unsure about what he would bring as a defensive coordinator, but, you know, you thought that the, the secondary would be in really good hands and then he would be an excellent recruiter. And then even like, if you look at it back a year ago, Ohio State was doing everything they could to keep Al Washington from going to Tennessee and being the defensive coordinator there. And, you know, then everything happened this year, the defense, you know, continued to struggle you know, with Jim Knowles coming in, there's not really a spot for for Washington anymore because Knowles is going to co- coach the linebackers. And then, you know, with the staff additions, um, the other staff additions today, you know, Kerry sees his way out too. And, you know, there's a lot of excitement in terms of just who they're bringing in because there is a lot of experience there, new, you know, new blood, that kind of stuff. Like it brings something new to the program that is kind of needed at this point. So, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, wait and see. It's obviously a, a results-driven business, and if they ended up if they end up producing, this is the right move. But you know, it, it, it's going to take a little bit for people to understand, you know, where these these new coaches fit into place. And that's just sort of the weird, wild world of college football. Things can change 
so dramatically year to year. You know, you, you often attribute stability to having a head coach that's been in place for a while. Um, but Ohio State's assistant coaching staff has had a lot of turnover mm-hmm. uh, in in the last several years, frankly. I mean, even going back to, to you know, Urban Meyer in his final year or two, um, there, there have been a lot of faces that have come through as coaches, even though Urban Meyer was, you know, a, a guy that certainly wasn't going anywhere unless it was his own accord. Uh, and, and Ryan Day, you kind of get the same impression. Ryan Day is – I have a hard time seeing Ryan Day ever being fired unless the Buckeyes, you know, completely implode. Um, I would think that if he doesn't want to be at Ohio State anymore, it would be, a, you know, on his own accord. Um, this is one of the most wildly successful programs in, in the country with an incredible recruiting machine that extends beyond any one person. But since we bring up recruiting here – Kerry Combs was a big part of recruiting, uh, and frankly, so was Al Washington, and I don't want to short Al for that. Um, I I understand that uh, Kerry Combs was offered an opportunity to basically take a lesser role within the program because they didn't want to lose him as a recruiter and because of how, how much he contributed to this team and to this program during a pretty lengthy, you know, uh, I, I guess a lengthy run that had a little hiatus when he went to Tennessee in the middle. Uh, I don't know where Kerry's going to end up. He he belongs on the sideline for sure. He's a good man. He's a good football coach. He's a hell of a recruiter. And I know it didn't really work out as a defensive coordinator here in Columbus, but um, man, that guy did a heck of a lot more good than than people probably realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you made up. You brought up two, you know, very good points, especially with you know the amount of turnover they've had. If you remember when when Ryan Day came in as head coach, he he basically got rid of everybody on defense except for Larry Johnson. So here we are, kind of a reset three years later of, of where they are. And, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out, he did hit a home run on that, those initial hires, especially with, with Jeff Halfley, because, you know, if you bring him in and, and he's, he's already on to a head coaching job after a year. So it's not as if they just, you know, they didn't hit on everybody in that situation or it wasn't, you know, a good, uh, you know, a good coaching staff to begin with, but, you know, as you go further into it, you know, there was deficiencies maybe in recruiting in some places, particularly with, with Greg Sudrawa on offense, you know, and then the linebackers maybe didn't, you know, um, didn't live up to their expectations this year. Al Washington finds his way out. Kerry Combs always did kind of seem like he was a little bit in over his head um, in terms of, you know, being a play caller. And I, I think that, honestly, he would he would probably admit that. It was something new, not something he was used to. And, you know, you kind of see what happens when that, when that occurs. There's a comment here about how the staff change was needed and the defense was embarrassing. Before I address that comment, I suppose just for our listeners who are with us live, thank you. We we want you to interact with the show, but uh, if you're listening after the fact, know that we do stream all of our podcasts live on our YouTube channel. We certainly hope you'll subscribe there and, and interact with us along the way. Uh, but these are available on demand after the fact and, and uh, in a couple different places. Um, a- Andrew, I don't know if I would say the defense was embarrassing. I would just say that they were young and inexperienced in the beginning of the year. And they made fantastic progress as the season went along, but there were clear deficiencies that got, you know, put on full blast. And I think maybe that's the genesis of where, where that comment was saying it was embarrassing. Yeah. The Michigan game was embarrassing. That was really, really poor. Um, But, you know, I, I, I guess I try not to be so prisoner of the moment 
on a really high high or a really low low. Let's look at the full body of work and where this team went from the beginning of the season to where they finished up. Um, you're either going to win the national title or you're not. And if you're not going to win the national title, everything should be building toward trying to get that done. And I think the Buckeyes with this group of players are a heck of a lot closer now to where they need to be to compete for a national championship than where they were back in August. And I know there were some growing pains for sure, but um, you know, not every season is, I mean, look, even Alabama, man. I mean, I know they've had an incredible run, but they don't win every single year and they lose a few games along the way. It's not perfect there either. Um, so there, there has to be an element of watching growth. And I thought Ohio state's defense showed enough progress for me to feel like, okay, the players can make this happen. You know, Tommy Eichenberg, who didn't have one tackle against Tulsa, not one as a starting middle linebacker, had 17 tackles and was the defensive MVP of the Rose Bowl. That is substantial growth throughout the course of the regular season. Um, and whether people want to give them credit or not, Kerry Combs and Al Washington were a big part of that. Yeah, and I think a lot of a lot of the credit for that, I think, is it goes to Matt Barnes, who obviously is now the defensive coordinator at, at Memphis, because you know prior to that, you know, he wasn't the play caller before the the Oregon game. You know, they gave him play calling duties, and it seemed like he was putting the players in the right position to make plays up until you know the Michigan game, because you know at the end of the day, you're ultimately judged on on wins and losses, and in Ohio State's two biggest games during the regular season, of course, they fell short, and a lot of that had to do with you know, the, the, the coaches who didn't put the players in the right position to succeed in those games, like Michigan, you see offensive line, the offensive line was terrible in that game. Like there's no way around saying that. And if you're going to assess your team, if Ryan Day sits there and assesses what his team was over the, over the course of the season and how to get that fixed, well, you're going to generally have those, you know, those same kind of players back. You're going to replace Nicholas Petit Ferrer with uh, Paris Johnson, you know, like, there's there's players that are in these in these situations where you don't have to necessarily worry about them bringing on new players and you know but the difference is it, it comes down to the coaching the coaching putting them in the right position and it goes that way for defense as a whole because you know there, there's no way around it you give up 400 plus yards a game 25 points a game that doesn't cut it you know it, it and if you're not you know bringing in those players that are going to be able to do it it just you you need to assess that situation and and make something better. And then when you sit there and you watch the national championship on Monday, the linebackers for both teams, especially Georgia, were just flying around. And I can't say that under Al Washington's direction that the linebackers were ever doing that. So it doesn't really necessarily surprise me. And then like we said, when Noel's coming in, you know that's his position. Washington was pretty much just the guy out at that point. Yeah, I. Um... I agree. The linebackers on Monday night were probably the guys that, I mean, even though the Heisman Trophy winner was on the field, I found myself watching Channing Tindall, number 41 and 17 to Kobe Dean, most plays because mm -hmm. they were, they played like madmen. Um, and, and, you know, we saw that a lot throughout the course of the season. If you watched any Georgia football, I'm not sure if you saw it very often against high quality opponents like Alabama and then obviously in the SEC championship game, they got smoked. Uh, and and they talked, you know, before this national title game about how they really felt like their conditioning wasn't where it needed to be and how much pride they took over the 37 days between the SEC title game and, and the national championship game in trying to, to be a better conditioned 
team. And it was clear they didn't fatigue in the fourth quarter. In fact, the fourth quarter was the most exciting part of the game. If you watched any of the game, that was probably the, the part of the game that you remember most. You know, the interception return for touchdown, fine, but there were a couple of other big plays in that quarter that will really stand out. Um, and, and there's no doubt. Anybody that was an Ohio State fan watching that game had to sit there and think to themselves, gee, we've seen silver bullet defenses look really, really good in the past and play a lot like what we're watching here. And we didn't see that enough during the course of the year. Um, I think a lot of that kind of has to do with one more comment here on, on being bullied. Um, you know, the, 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 the comment on, you know, Hey, we, we've, um, we've never been out toughed in, in decades of watching Ohio state football. And yeah, that, that happened a couple of times this year, but I would say on the whole Ohio state progressed. Yeah, I mean, a part of the sticking point, like after the season ended, you know, there was a comments from Michigan's coaching staff about how Ohio State wasn't so physical. That stuck with Ryan Day. They're like, there's no if ands, or buts about that because he wasn't going to go into next season and say, I'm trotting out the same coaching staff, the same people to do the same thing. Like, there had to be a change there. And I think that, you know, going back to the Georgia part, like, that, I think that starts at the top. Like, if you look at who their defensive coordinator was, Lanning, who's now Oregon's head coach, you know, if he's setting that standard of what a Georgia defense should be, you know, that's going to filter down to the players, the assistants, those kind of things. And you really saw it. There was a moment, I believe it was in the fourth quarter, uh, when Alabama nearly scored a touchdown. I think Tyndall was was out of, you know, out of position. He was kind of caught looking in the backfield. And the middle linebacker came over and was like, what are you doing? Like in his face, right yeah. in him. Yep. The very next play, he sacks Bryce Young, and then, then Alabama settles for a field goal. So it's kind of one of those things you set the standard up high, you make all the players, you know, play that exact same way as the expe- expectation that you have, and that's just going to filter down. And that's why Georgia won the national championship. I totally agree. Um, that that couple play sequence was among the most memorable parts of the entire game for me, for sure. Um, so look, I mean, Ohio state doesn't have to look too far back in program history to know exactly what it takes to win a a national championship, especially from a a defensive mentality. It's not like they've never done it. It's not like they haven't even done it in that long. I mean, the Buckeyes have won a national championship within the past decade, uh, and they've been in the college football playoff several times. So they know, you know, they know what the highest quality competition looks like and, and they certainly practice against it, uh, each and every day. Um, but it's a new era for the defense, and um, you know I, I'm not the kind of person that's ever going to badmouth a coach. Uh, you know, certainly wish Kerry Combs well and, and Al Washington well as they depart from the program. Um, man, I've got some friends in coaching, and I'll tell you what, it is a really tough business. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of these guys, I know they get the, you know Ohio State's assistant coaches are largely paid pretty well. A lot of assistant coaches around the country don't make nearly. Uh, life-changing money and you know it's it's amazing how last off season Al Washington's name was the name in the open market and and to turn down a defensive coordinator job at an SEC program that's trying to build something because he wanted to stay in Columbus to this year now he he can take any job he wants because he needs a job, or at least he can take a, a, you know any job that he gets an offer for. It's just it, it's not like Al got worse as a coach over the last twelve months. It's just it's a tough gig, man. It's a tough business, and um, yeah. you know, best of luck to to both Carrie and Al and their families for sure. And same thing with Greg Stadrawa. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that it's just you know kind of goes back to the results driven business. You know, Ohio State just has this expectation: you make four straight Big Ten title games, you make it to two straight 
you know, college or three straight college football playoffs. Like there's that expectation that, you know, this is the, where we, where we want to be, where we need to be. And if we're not there, then things are going to change. And, you know, they, they, they're definitely going to land on their feet somewhere. You know, I know that Notre Dame has an opening along the defensive line. I think out Washington could be, you know, successful there. Kerry Combs has a history, you know, a very long history uh, down in Cincinnati, you know, he was, he was a big reason why Ohio state was able to kind of, uh, have those recruiting inroads down in, in, in Southwest Ohio again. So, you know, if Cincinnati who now conveniently needs a cornerbacks coach, that would be a perfect spot for him. So, you know, I'm not saying that those things are going to happen, but you know, and, and you see it a lot, especially in the NFL, you know, coaches get fired left and right and they find some other job and it's just kind of a recycling of, of play of, of coaches at different positions. So, you know, I don't think that there's any, any worry that they're going to end up finding some place that, that they fit into. Yeah, no doubt about that. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Well, Let's transition forward here because you you reference the fact Cincinnati's got a an opening in their secondary uh, that perhaps Kerry could Kerry Combs could go after if he wanted to. Um, but the reason they have that opening is because their secondary coach is coming to Columbus. Uh, Perry Eliano is making the trip up I seventy one from the Queen City, and uh, he is joining Jim Knowles' staff as the new uh, the new basically the safeties coach. Uh, and the rumor is that Tim Walton, who is a former Buckeye is going to leave the Jacksonville Jaguars and, and come to Columbus uh, to basically coach the Ohio State secondary. You'll, you'll have two coaches there in the secondary uh, between the two. Well, let's start with Perry. I mean, if you watched any Cincinnati football this year, it was either Desmond Ritter or it was the secondary that that really impressed you specifically in, uh, in Sauce Gardner. And Perry Eliano was a big part of that. Um, everybody's had lulls and everybody's had highs in their career, but this guy seems to be uh, a high energy guy that could fit in well here. Yeah. And if the last two years are any indication, you know, there's definitely going to be a, a dramatic improvement in Ohio state secondary, just based upon, you know, his history, you know, in addition to sauce Gardner, which, you know, is a, a fantastic nickname. I don't know where he necessarily got that nickname from, but, you know, I hope that if, if Perry was the reason that that kind of existed, that he can kind of bring something like that to, to Ohio state, but, you know, not only not only Sauce Gardner, but then um, Kobe Bryant as well, the younger brother of former Ohio right. State safety Christian Bryant. So, you know, I think that it's it's kind of one of those things. You see what he did there at a lesser school. You know, those those kids weren't necessarily highly recruited, or maybe you know Kobe would ended up at Ohio State, for example, like his brother. So, you know, he's turning those players into All Americans, potential first round draft picks. The you know the American Defensive Player of the Year, those kind of things. So there there is a history there of him having produced results. And like I said, that, that, that's really only a, a positive thing for, for Ohio state. And really, you know, when I, when I first saw the name, you know, to me, that that's a home run hire. You're finding somebody who is, you know, on the upswing clearly has results and, and that can infuse something new to your program. Uh, he'll be working alongside. We think uh, we expect Tim Walton who urban Meyer had retained from the previous coaching staff in Jacksonville uh, Tim Walton had been uh, on the Jacksonville staff starting in 2019, but he's had a long, long journey as a as a coach 
uh, starting all the way back in 1995 when he was a graduate assistant at Bowling Green. He coached the running backs and defensive backs uh, for Bowling Green up until 1999, spent uh, the next two years coaching DBs at Memphis. He was the defensive backs coach at Syracuse. He was the defensive backs coach in 2003 at LSU. Uh, and then he he made the move to Miami, coached defensive backs 04 through 06, uh, defensive coordinator in 2007. He went back to Memphis as a defensive coordinator in 2008. He's got a ton of experience there. And then uh, in the NFL, uh, jumped to the Detroit Lions. He coached for the Rams. He coached for the Giants and then the Jaguars. Uh, he was a defensive coordinator for the St. Louis Rams in 2013 uh, and now is reportedly coming back to Ohio State. So this is a guy with a boatload of experience, um, was a captain his senior year at Ohio State and somebody that I think the Buckeyes are hoping, you know, maybe beyond just the the wealth of experience that he has, he knows what it's like to play in Ohio Stadium. He knows what it's like to be an important role on the team as a captain and, and to try to maybe reinstill some of that that tenacity for the silver bullets, I think is important for Ryan Day. Yeah, I think, you, you know, you hit the nail right on the head right there, too, because I think you know, what he might lack in in recruiting experience, not, you know, he hasn't been a college coach for 13, 14 years, so he doesn't necessarily know that side of the business. But on the other hand, you know, he knows what it means to be a Buckeye. I've, I've heard that he still talks about, you know, his experiences at Ohio State and what that meant to him and how that, you know, drove him to become the person he is. And I think especially in today's recruiting world where you have to not only recruit high school kids, but you have to also keep players on your roster because Absolutely. of, you know, transfer portal, NIL, all that stuff. He's kind of that guy who will keep those kids around and say, you know what, this is what it meant to be to have a degree from Ohio State. This is what it meant to me to play for this university. You know, I want to instill that same thing upon you. And then on top of that, you know, it, it, he has a different style of, of teaching that he'll be able to bring in and hopefully that that'll produce results as well. So at the end of the day, you know, he's going to have to learn the recruiting part of it on the fly. But I think that just him being a Buckeye, having that experience, being a team captain is something that's completely in, invaluable. There were two other guys that are uh, reportedly being brought onto Ohio State staff, but neither of them will be on the sideline on game day. And both of them came from Oklahoma State uh, and were with Jim Knowles. And those two guys are Michael Hunter, who played at uh, both Indiana and Oklahoma State, uh, and Coy McFarland. Um, uh, McFarland is the son of longtime college assistant coach uh, and brief head coach at Stephen F. Austin, Robert McFarland. Uh, and he played Division II college football down at Arkansas Monticello. Um, you know, I, I look at that and say, okay, that's fine, that's nice, but they're they're guys that Jim Knowles knows and clearly trusts, and he's bringing them with them. You know, they're not in um, decision making power spots. They're not going to be in big money coaching spots. Um, but if Jim Knowles is taking over this job and it's, you know, he's running the defense, it's his show. And he's mm -hmm. got guys that he trusts, and he had a great product this past year. Good by me. It's a good start. Yeah, I think that that's important to have those those guys come in and you know kind of uh, install the you know everything that that comes with Knowles coming in and bringing his system and those kind of things. It's a lot, very much like like Tanner McAllister coming in for one year at safety. You know, he's a he's going to be a, a, a vital part of that defense just from a play standpoint, but then also for you know kind of being that defensive you know signal caller, if you will, and say, hey, I know how this works. I've been with Jim Knowles for several years now. This is where you need to be. And I think these guys are going to be the exact same way. Hunter obviously is a little bit, you know, green behind the ears, like in terms of 
um, you know, his experience because he was only there since March after having a, you know, a, a journeyman NFL career for a couple years. Um, but McAllister, on the, or I'm sorry, uh, McFarland, on the other hand, you know, I think it's very important that he comes in because he coached Oklahoma State's linebackers in the Fiesta Bowl when Knowles wasn't there because, you know, like we said, Knowles coaches the linebackers as well. So, and he, he performed really well. I know there was a lot of people that were saying after the Fiesta Bowl that, you know, he should be their new new linebackers coach moving forward or have, you know, an increased role. So to get him away from them, you know, I, I know Mike, Mike Gundy is probably not real happy right now. Probably not. Mike Gundy is uh, <laughs> Mike Gundy is one of the real characters in college football, and he's had great stability. He's one of the longest tenured coaches uh, at any school right now, consistently. And I think it's it's pretty much him and Kirk Ferentz uh, and and you know and Utah um, and, and Coach Whittingham. Those are like the th- I, I'm pretty sure those are the three longest tenured head coaches at their respective institutions in the FBS. Uh, and you're right, Mike Gundy probably feels like his cupboard was just robbed in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, hopefully it works for Ohio State, but I, I, I like the start. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think, you know, like like you said, it's, it's not necessarily about the, the on-field, you know, them having roles in that. It's more about practice and, you know, getting guys to understand, like, this is the program that we are. And, you know, we're, we're going to find out what roles they have. So, you know, they they might be more involved than what we think. I know Hunter was only a grad assistant in his first year, whereas um, – um, McFarland was, you know, a quality control coach. So, you know, the roles are a little bit different and those kind of things, but yeah, I mean, any, any situation where you can bring in guys who already know the system that that's only going to help. I did think the timing of this was a little strange because, you know, the, the early enrollees are on campus as of this past weekend, because Monday started the spring semester. Um, I have to imagine that, Washington and Kerry Combs were were probably taken a little bit by surprise. Um, maybe that's a bad assumption on my part, but I suppose when you get you know this far away from the last game of the season, which was now basically a, a full two weeks ago, um, you know the recruiting that they did in that that time between the Rose Bowl and the national championship game and with the semester starting and a lot of the guys that they recruited coming on campus and now all of a sudden, you know, they're gone. Um, I don't, I can't confirm that, but I would anticipate that, you know, their, their dismissal probably caught them off guard. So I guess it's a little bit um, eyebrows raised, you know, this morning when I, when, when the news came out, um, but it is what it is. And I think the Buckeyes, you know, you're, you're paying Ryan day, big bucks to make this thing go right. And, you know, he deserves every benefit of the doubt right now, because even though it was, you know, a frustrating end of the season when Ohio State didn't even make it to the Big Ten championship game and they lost to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, he still only lost four games in three years, and it's, what is it, 33-4 and four or 34-4 and four is his record? Yeah, um, yeah I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for a little while. Yeah, I mean, I think that there has to be those conversations. You know, you, I don't think you want to start out the note, you know, the beginning of a, a kid's career on a bad note by not telling them exactly what's going to go on, you know. I know that um, some of the offensive linemen, when they were down at the the All American Bowl, you know, they admitted that they were they were a little bit surprised by by Stud's departure. But at the same time, at the end of the day, it's still Ohio State. They still have the same opportunity. And if if they trust in Ryan Day like they're supposed to, you know, the guy who is is supposed to be their head coach for their entire career, you know, they're going to trust that he's doing the right thing to put them in a position to succeed. 
And if at the end of the day, if that's what's happening, then I don't think that they necessarily have an issue with the fact that, you know, their position coach is gone. Like it, it sucks to not have that relationship, but at the same time, you know, if you had a good relationship, you're still going to have a relationship with this person, regardless of whether they're coaching you or not. And at the end of the day, as long as you're put into a, uh, into a position that you're going to, tr- you know, be at your best to succeed and move forward, they're not going to have an issue with that. Yeah, I, I agree for sure. Um, any final thoughts on that before we kind of turn our attention to the schedule? Nope. Okay. Yeah, I think we uh, I think we covered that pretty well. Um, so the Buckeyes, uh, I think they're done making staff changes. I guess you never know for sure. But uh, Justin Fry on the offensive line, and then two uh, two new coaches. One that uh, is being reported is done in in uh, Perry Eliano, and then one that is rumored to be the leading candidate, but. Uh, the expectation is that Tim Walton would be coming to Columbus. So um, that's what uh, that's what we're expecting. And we'll certainly share more information with you along the way uh, as we learn it. In the meantime, uh, I'll share the screen here so that you can have a, have a chance to see the schedule just in case um, you haven't already for some reason. But in the meantime, the, the Buckeyes, um, you know, look, they are they, – they knew what their schedule was going to be and – I, I don't think this is a huge surprise. Let me get rid of the, the line in the middle of the screen for you here. Uh, probably not a huge surprise, um, but all of these you know conference games that were that were shifted around a little bit. Um, I I wasn't surprised that you know the first three are locked in contractually; those are going to stay, mm-hmm. uh, and and you kind of know that the Michigan game is not going to get moved out of the last game of the regular season. Everything else is probably you know, um, could be moved around a little bit. Um, I don't know if I, if I would use the word surprise, I think for me, it was more like, uh, we got to open big 10 play with Wisconsin. I, I don't know if I love that. Not that Michigan state was, you know, an easy game, but I, I guess I would have rather played Michigan state than Wisconsin in the first big 10 game of the year. Well, I think the important thing to remember though, is what followed the Michigan state game. And it would have both been road games, too. So you would have opened the Big Ten play with at Michigan State, which isn't necessarily always the easiest. I think if you remove the the 52-12 to 12 game during a pandemic, you know, shortened season, every every time they played up there, it's generally been pretty close in the last, like, 10 years. And then, obviously, Penn State is never easy to go to, whether it's the beginning of October or the end of October. Like, that, that definitely is a, a difficult stretch. So I think that to be honest, I would I would trade, you know, the home game against Wisconsin in a heartbeat instead of having two straight back-to-back games against Michigan State and Penn State, especially with how well Michigan State played this past year as well. Uh, that's an interesting take. I I, um, I I can see where you'd feel that way. Um, it's to me, it's going to be a little weird opening the year with five consecutive games at home. Uh, the Buckeyes don't have a single road game till October eighth. I mean, that's. That's pretty unusual. Even even when you have, um, you know, your your non conference games all at the front of the schedule and all at home, typically you don't start five straight at home without a bye. So uh, we're going to get real used to the friendly confines of the shoe, uh, and then have to kind of split the time the rest of the way. I'd say once you get to the the open week, you know, in, in October, then it's kind of you know. There, there's the two, the Penn State game and the, and the Northwestern game back-to-back. Um, you know, they go from, it's what, four, sorry, three of, of four weeks on the road, 
you know, kind of with Michigan at the end there. So, you know, that'll be a difficult stretch just because, you know, you get kind of used to being at home and then to have to go on the road and, you know, kind of alternate, like you said, that that makes it a little bit um, a little bit different. So it definitely seems it's very home home heavy in the front and then, you know, very road heavy toward the back. If uh, if you're watching our live stream of our podcast, you can certainly see the schedule. But in case you're listening uh, to an audio only stream after the fact, I'll run through the schedule real quick for you. Uh, season still open September 3rd against Notre Dame at home with Marcus Freeman and James Laronitis and company coming to town. Uh, the Buckeyes will host Arkansas State and Toledo the following two weeks to wrap up their non-conference play. Big Ten play opens up September 24th against Wisconsin instead of on the road at Michigan State. October 1st is now a home game for the fifth straight week. Buckeyes have Rutgers. They'll be at, uh, I should say, they were originally at Penn State. Ohio State's first road game will be October the 8th. They'll go up to East Lansing uh, and play Michigan State, and that will basically wrap up the first half of the season. The uh, the bye week for the Buckeyes has shifted forward a week, so Ohio State is now idle on October 15th. And then moving forward the rest of the season, Ohio State will open the second half at home against Iowa, so they've got an extra week to prepare for and get healthy uh, for a team that, Obviously, the last time they played the Hawkeyes uh, is a frustrating and, and difficult memory for Ohio State fans. After Iowa, the Buckeyes will be at Penn State and at Northwestern in back-to-back weeks. They'll come home for Indiana on November 12th before the final two games of the regular season stayed put as originally scheduled. They'll go to College Park and play Maryland and then host the Michigan Wolverines. Um, so that's the schedule for uh, for 2022. Again, same opponents, same venues, none of the you know, Ohio State was not originally scheduled to be at one school and now hosting that school. Uh, none of that has changed. It's just playing opponents uh, on different dates than they originally were. So not uh, not not any substantial changes in that way. Um, and I think we're going to see this for the next couple of years, right? I mean, this uh, the the complicated scheduling involved with the the 2022 pandemic, uh, I think, is is going to force us to have a breaking news story each year on, hey, guess what? The new schedule is out. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of surprised to see, um, if you know, you go back to the um, the 2020 original schedule, they were supposed to play um, at Illinois. And I know that that game got canceled as well once they went down to the eight-game season. So I was actually kind of surprised to see um, that they didn't swap Northwestern for Illinois. But I think it's kind of one of those things that once they, you know, they, they finally announced and said like, Hey, we're going to adjust these because they have the schedule out through 2025 already, like the full right. big 10 schedule. So, you know, I think it, it's just going to be kind of a, a moving thing. You know, it's going to be difficult. I, I think that that's what's, what kind of confuses me about it is you're never going to make it perfect. Like you kind of just at that point have to move on and say, you know what, we're all big 10 schools. We're going to eventually play each other at some point in time. Like, and it just seems to me like it's, it's kind of just trying to make everybody happy and, and make up for games that got canceled. And to me, that that that's almost more complicated than it needs to be. But I mean, I'm not I'm not Kevin Warren, and I don't have to deal with it other than to write this story. So you know, I'm not I'm not going to complain. But you know, I, I think another there's a really important thing in there too. Um, you know, I know it, it seems very inconsequential to to move Ohio State's open day, the open date, to a week earlier. But I was also off that week, so that kind of sets up a. a you know, a game where they're both coming into it rested and, you know, that, that could be a very good game. You know, I think it would be very different if Ohio state was going into that, you know, a week earlier, you know, something like that, or 
having a game a week earlier in, in Iowa doesn't, that that's kind of, you know, not necessarily something you want to want to walk into. Yeah, totally agree there. That's, it's nice that both teams will be off a bye uh, on the same week. Um, I guess the only other thing I wanted to, to throw out here, you know, there's been a lot of comments about uh, the team up North and in our comments section here on the live stream. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of rumors about Jim Harbaugh to the NFL, particularly possibly to, uh, your favorite team out there in Las Vegas, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> I have to imagine that's kind of a kind of a weird sore spot for you. Uh, look, the Raiders are in the playoffs, right? I mean, they're not going to make decisions on what their coaching staff is going to look like next year until their playoff run is done, um, which could be as soon as a couple days from now, or it could be you know several weeks from now when you're uh, riding in a parade float and a Super Bowl parade. Um, I, I bring that all up to say that I, I'm curious if you think that the Jim Harbaugh to the NFL rumors may be done considering that Coach Harbaugh just convinced Mike Elston to leave a job mm-hmm. that he had for a long time at Notre Dame and did a really good job with uh, to come up and, and basically you know take that job and coaching the defensive line now for Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the conversation of him possibly going back to the NFL is a very real thing. If you think about it, like he's coming off the best season of his of his time at Michigan. Beat Ohio State, went to the playoff, won the Big Ten. Like, you're not going to find your stock very much higher as as a head coach, whether that you want to go to the NFL or you know get yourself a pay raise. I know that 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 possibly was part of it too. You know, there's nothing like an agent floating. Hey, my, my client's interested in these two, you know, NFL openings. I just took a massive, or he just took a massive pay cut last year, you know, and then performed well. You know, you guys should, you know, up up my salary or his salary. I mean, I guess the agent would be making a, a hefty portion of said salary too. But you know, I, I think that the conversation is, you know, is is real. He had success in the NFL too. You know, he reached the Super Bowl. It wasn't like he was a bad coach there. And I personally think that he is a better NFL coach than he is a college coach. So that is all real. At the end of the day, though, like you said, you know, it was very similar to to comments about Ryan Day being, you know, uh, a candidate for the for the Bears job as well. He's not going to make all these moves if he's going to the Bears. Like that's just not a, a realistic thing. So, you know, if if he's making if, if Harbaugh is making a move like that, and that's a really good move for them at, de- at as a defensive line coach, like he was there at Notre Dame for a long time, produced very many, you know, NFL players, had a lot of success there, and you know, for them to to poach somebody from a name brand like Notre Dame, that that's significant in itself. So, you know, I think that that is definitely indicative of him staying, and I think that you know he's he's kind of seeing what Ohio State is doing too, and and upping their game. So you know, he needs the he needs to respond, you know, the same way. Totally agree. It'll be uh, very interesting to follow that, but I, I thought that was a pretty notable hire. And for as excited as Michigan fans seem to be that he's coming on board, I know Notre Dame fans are, are bummed that Coach Elston is leaving South Bend because he's done a really good job there. All right. Uh, I think that kind of wraps up the, the coaching and, and schedule news here, uh, at least for this afternoon. Yeah, I guess you never really know if more news is going to come down the pipe, but Uh, What we anticipate for next year is that Ohio State's offensive coaching staff is going to consist of Ryan Day in his typical spot, coaching the uh, coaching the quarterbacks and calling the offense. Um, Obviously, you know, the promotion for Brian Hartline to to passing game coordinator. He's going to have a much bigger role in developing the game plan for the offense, considering what he's done 
Um, just an incredible job with Ohio State's wide receivers. Tony Alford back as the running backs coach. He's done a terrific job uh, mentoring a, a young group, and certainly Travion Henderson had a great year. Justin Fry, the new offensive line coach for the Buckeyes. We've talked about him before, obviously, coming in as uh, a coach from UCLA. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, he was both the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator for Chip Kelly's UCLA Bruins this past year. Then on the defensive side of the ball, uh, I guess we haven't been told otherwise, but I think it's safe to assume at the moment, maybe we shouldn't assume anything, but Larry Johnson appears to be the defensive line coach moving forward with Jim Knowles as the new defensive coordinator coming in and coaching the linebackers. Perry Eliano will have uh, some work in the safeties uh, and the secondary coach we expect is going to be Tim Walton coming back to Ohio state where he played about three decades ago. And uh, I don't think we're going to have any changes on the special team side. So maybe Parker Fleming will stay put for the Buckeyes mm -hmm. there as well. So coaching staff changes, a few additions in the transfer portal. Uh, and now it's time for the Buckeyes to get to work and uh, try to figure out a way to make sure that what happened on November 27th this past year does not happen on November 26th this upcoming season. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's important to remember, too, that the transfer portal is, is a year-round thing. So I wouldn't quite shut the door on any more additions. I know that, you know, any team that's going to be in contention for a national championship is always going to want to you know, find other other players that they think can help improve them, whether it's, you know, a starting player or even some depth, because at the end of the day, you know, especially a linebacker, like even adding one one transfer, they were still only at six scholarship players last year at that position. And I know they have a, a class full of, you know, two, quite possibly three of Sonny Styles, you know, continues to grow physically, you know, that they bring in a very important and, and very great class at that position. But I think, you know, and even if you, you know, they might not, they might not come in immediately and, and make an impact. So you're always looking for those instant impact transfer players and they're, they're definitely playing out there. So, you know, the off season is, is a, is a 365, well, football is a 365 day thing a year. So. <laughs> it, uh, it absolutely is, and you just never know when, when the next uh, next shoe is going to drop. Plenty of continuing coverage of all the latest breaking news for Ohio State football and basketball over on BuckeyesNow.com. Certainly encourage you to check us out there. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications so you'll know when we're live. We love interacting with you. We had a lot of uh, really good comments tonight, several of which we were able to address, and uh, would love to have you a part of the show if uh, if you're willing to. So please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our accounts are at BuckeyesNowSI. Hope to see you soon. For Andrew Lind, I'm Brendan Gulick. Thanks for joining us on Buckeye Breakdown, Ohio State football with several changes on the coaching staff. Let's hope that they're good ones.